grace be unto you in peace. Peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed of God, as I mentioned in the introduction to the service, there often is a debate about who is the greatest, especially when it comes to sports. That's why in many ways I don't appreciate sports talk shows, whether on television or on the radio. Because when they start arguing about who's the greatest, well, that argument is simply based on human opinion. And if you pay close attention, many times those discussions do turn into an argument as they become heated. Well, Jesus' disciples once were arguing about who was the greatest, and they weren't arguing about some sports hero. They were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God. And when they had arrived at their destination, Capernaum, and Jesus asked them about what they were arguing over, they must have been embarrassed because Jesus knew. But rather than turning off his disciples like a sports talk show, Jesus used that as an opportunity to teach them what it really means to be great in the kingdom of God. And what is it that Jesus wants when it comes greatness in the kingdom of God? And, and two thoughts came to my mind as I studied this part of God's word. And they both have to do not with the word great, but with the word little. Greatness in the kingdom of God starts with acknowledging our littleness before God. And greatness in the kingdom of God continues when we are willing to welcome the littlest. Jesus had just finished telling them about how he was going to suffer and die and then he was going to rise again. And rather than catch the greatness of that truth that Jesus was teaching them, they ultimately began arguing about something else. They began to argue who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. And I think our understanding is they were arguing among themselves. And we kind of wonder what what was the basis of their arguments? Did Peter and Andrew claim to be the greatest because Jesus had chosen them first? Did James and John claim to be the greatest because of their strong personalities? I mean, after all, they were called the sons of thunder. Was John arguing that he was the greatest because he was called the one whom Jesus loved? And, and, and maybe Judas... He was claiming to be the greatest because only one disciple held an official office among the rest. Judas was their treasurer. How small that all must have sounded because none of them had anything to brag about because when you take a look at those disciples, do you remember? One of them was a thief one of them was an insurrectionist. Some of them fell asleep while Jesus wanted them to stay awake and pray. One had betrayed him, one had denied him, 
and all of them fled when Jesus was arrested. When you measure up those disciples with the perfection that God demands them in his law, when you measure those disciples against what it really meant to faithfully follow Jesus, how little they all were. They had missed the point completely. Jesus hadn't chosen them to be his disciples because of how great they were. Jesus had chosen them to be his followers because of his great love for them. Although he is the almighty son of God, he was willing to serve them. And he was willing to, to serve us. And in a way, we could say that Jesus did that by making himself little. Although he's the almighty son of God, he took on human flesh as a little babe of Bethlehem. And then he didn't push others to the side to get to the front of the line. Rather, he was willing to allow his enemies to push him around as they pushed him to one false trial after another. And how weak and, and little he must have looked hanging on the cross as he allowed his heavenly Father to push him down with the weight of the sins of the world, including the sin of pride, of which his disciples were guilty. And on many occasions, we are guilty of that too. And all this he would do not for people who were great or even good or even average. He did that for his disciples and, and for you and me who at one time were actually enemies of God himself. That was true for his disciples. That is true for us. I mean, in the bigger picture of things, greatness in the kingdom of God means putting others first. Yes, even being willing to die for them. That's greatness in the kingdom of God. And then I ask this question, have you ever thought about being great in the kingdom of God? I hope that we all do. Greatness in the kingdom of God, right? And I'm sure that we all could come up with ideas of how maybe we are great in God's eyes. But that's just sinful human opinion. Rather, we need to listen to Jesus and allow his word to instruct us. Greatness in the kingdom of God begins by acknowledging that we don't deserve anything from God. Greatness in the kingdom of God begins acknowledging that we don't deserve anything in the kingdom of God. Greatness in the kingdom of God begins by humbling ourselves before the very God who has every right to strike us down. But then greatness in the kingdom of God means acknowledging Jesus as the only way to eternal life. The one who alone could win the great blessings of salvation for us, namely the forgiveness of sins, peace with God, and the hope of eternal life. 
This is what Jesus was getting at when he said, whoever humbles himself will be exalted, whoever is last will be first. So, so may this prayer always be on our hearts and on our lips. Lord, raise me to greatness in your kingdom by leading me to acknowledge my littleness but also acknowledge your great love for someone as little as myself. And then when the Holy Spirit changes our attitudes and, and, and through true godly repentance and humility we acknowledge our sinfulness but also our salvation through Jesus, then our attitude begins to change in our relationships with others then in acknowledging our littleness before God by his power, we'll also be willing to welcome and receive the littlest. And then Jesus sets a child in their midst as an example of what he means. He says, whoever welcomes little ones like this, hmm, greatness in the kingdom of God. And we rejoice in that, don't we? And by the grace of God, we do welcome children. When God gives us the blessing of children, whether it's our own in our families or whether it's in our family of believers, we love them. And we know we welcome them by taking care of them, by making sure, yes, they have food to eat and clothes to wear and a home in which to live. But the greatest way in which we can welcome children, the greatest way in which we can show them the love of God is by showing them the love of God. I mean, wasn't it great to, to hear those children sing this morning? Isn't it great to see all these children here? You know, the best way we can lead our children to the house in heaven is by regularly, every week, bringing them to this house of God. Because it's here in this house of God that they learn about the great love of God for them. That's what Jesus was getting at when he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs as such as these. So, so here, here's a suggestion. Here's a practical uh, piece of advice uh, from a pastor. How, how can I welcome the children? Well, support them in their training in God's word. And then on Sunday morning when we leave, and I know COVID changed that. You know, we're, we're always ready and willing to welcome and say hi to, to the adults or our friends in high school. But did you ever think about getting down to the level of a child who's here, even though if you don't know that child, and say, I'm so glad to see you here. Welcome to Jesus' house. So may we always welcome those little children in this house of God as we worship, no matter how active, no matter how noisy they might get. Someone once asked, Pastor, does this upset you when children are kind of restless and, and making noise while you're preaching? And my answer has always been, no, that, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't upset me. Uh, in fact, I've often said the noise of children in church is a blessing because it means it's a growing congregation. But I also say... Perhaps really what upsets me 
is not the noise of little children, but it's sometimes the dirty looks of adults. Let's welcome the little ones. But there are other little ones, not just little in age and stature, but, but those who are little of faith, those who might be little of wealth, those who might be of little stature in the eyes of the world. How easy it is for us to ignore such people. How easy it is to be drawn to people who, who are like us. But again, that misses the point of greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus was willing to welcome sinners, the sick, the poor, the dying, the social outcasts. And again, after the service, we, we, we so easily welcome people we already know. But have you ever thought of going up to someone after church whom you don't recognize and welcome them? Because you never know. It might be one of those little ones who needs that welcome. And it just might be the welcome that can lead them to know the Savior. That's what made Jesus so great. And that's what is great for us. That for Jesus' sake, we are we are able and willing to welcome the littlest no matter their standing in the eyes of the world. I could be wrong, but I believe that there's only one person that Jesus called the greatest in the kingdom of God. you know who that was? It was John the Baptist. Now why would Jesus call John the Baptist the greatest in the kingdom of God? It's because of his humility. Do you remember what John said about himself and about his ministry? He pointed to Jesus and basically he said, he must become greater, I must become less. Let's all be great in the kingdom of God like John the Baptist so that people don't notice who we are but that people learn to know who their Savior is. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's now join in the confession.